We mentioned earlier that in the Middle Tang period, Dunhuang was ruled by the Tubo Empire, and how local ethnic Han people were often treated as slaves. A young man who had witnessed all the suffering set his mind to leading the locals to bring back the lost land to the Tang Dynasty. Later, this young man fulfilled his promise, and now you can meet him in Dunhuang Mugao Cave 156. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. The name of our protagonist today is Chang Yi Chao. Yes, if you recollect our previous episodes, you may feel this name is a bit familiar. We did mention him as one of the protectors of Dunhuang in our previous episodes. In the year 848, Chang led an uprising. After years of hard battles and bloody sacrifice, he and his army finally drove away the Tubo rulers and restored Tang Dynasty rule across the Hexi area, which is to the west of the Yellow River and included Dunhuang. General Chang became the local governor. He was loved by the locals, and after he passed away, his nephew constructed a cave in Dunhuang in honor of him. In this cave, numbered 156, General Chang and his military were vividly depicted. Most of the wall paintings in the Mugao grottos are Buddhist stories, but Cave 156 has some rare historical paintings with realistic themes. This is a typical late Tang cave. It is well known for the striking murals of the procession of Chang'e Chao and the parade of his wife Lady Sung, which depict the scene of General Chang marching with his triumphant army. The paintings are gorgeous in colour, revealing the last glory of the Tang dynasty. In French explorer Pellio's Dunhuang manuscript collection, there is a detailed narration about how Cave 156 was constructed. It says that after General Chang's death, his nephew had a strong desire to carve out a cave for him. He looked around the whole area, but there was no place at all, except for a single cliff where rock cutting was hard, almost impossible. Undaunted by the enormity of the work to be accomplished, he prayed to the heavenly spirits above and the earth spirits below, divined to find an auspicious time, and calculated the day for the work to start. The cutting and chiseling had hardly begun when the mountain split of its own accord, and after a few days the cracks opened up a hole. With further prayers and incense, the sands began to fly, the thunder split the rock wall, and the cliff was cut away. A hollow cave was opened up, and the whole construction was accomplished in three years. This exaggerated narration shows local people's strong belief in Buddhism helping them to overcome difficulties. Now let's turn to the most interesting feature of this cave, the murals about the procession of Chang'e Chao and his consort, Lady Sung. The processions are on the lower portions of the south and north walls, with the people facing the main Buddha statue in the niche on the west wall, giving the impression they are all marching towards it. 
Each procession is eight meters long and one meter high, in total involving approximately 240 people and 110 horses. Chang's procession is depicted in three parts and 13 sections. In their proper order, it displays the different sections of his military forces, starting with the cavalry carrying spears or various banners, with dancers and musicians on foot in between. Some are dressed in traditional hand-style clothes, some are in tubo costumes. Some musicians are beating large drums, some are blowing long trumpets, and some are playing panpipes and flutes. Some of the instruments originate from the western region, introduced to central China along the Silk Road. For example, there's someone playing a four-stringed pipa, the Chinese lute. Pipa was originally from Kucha in present-day China's Xinjiang area. The instrument became popular from the early Tang on. It used to be played with a large plectrum, whereas today it's played with fingers or long false nails. By the way, musicians gathered together playing different instruments was an extremely popular style of entertainment during the Tang dynasty. General Chang, depicted larger in scale, is riding a white horse and about to cross a bridge, followed by troops of his clansmen. The general is in a round-collared red robe with a bat-styled headdress. Bringing up the rear are hunting scenes and a scene showing the supplies borne along on camels and mules. The arrangement of the military forces and the supply transportation caravan match closely the contemporary Tang standards. Chang's wife, Lady Sung's procession, is comparable to that of her husband, but somewhat different in character. Preceding her, instead of soldiers, is a troupe of entertainers, acrobats, dancers and a band. In one astonishing acrobatic scene, you can find a robust man carrying a long pole balanced on his head, with four kids playing at the top of the pole. The man supporting the pole is vividly depicted. He is standing on his left leg, bending his waist and twisting his body with both his right foot and arms raised to maintain the balance of the pole. There is another man holding a long pole standing close by to protect the performers. Lady Sung is also riding a white horse. She wears a blue robe with a flower crown on her head. She is accompanied by nine mounted female attendants who are all holding objects in their hands, such as toiletries and censers for burning incense. At the end of her procession are hunters and camels carrying luggage similar to her husband's. The five large carts and two hexagonal pavilions display the lifestyle of the nobility and the means of transportation at that time. The camel was a popular transportation tool in Dunhuang at the time and widely used in the army as they could move quickly in the desert and ensure adequate logistics. The unique depiction of these two processions marks a significant change in donors' portraits at Dunhuang. The contents of the painting do not demonstrate to what extent the Changs and their successors were devoted to Buddha, although they were Buddhists. 
Being themselves the central characters, they just wanted to demonstrate their political power and social status. At the same time, these paintings provide lively and precious examples of the genre of a parade. They are the only such artifacts that have survived the erosion of time. To conclude our study of the Tang Caves, in our next episode we will examine a very well-preserved cave whose depictions will throw even more light on what life was like at that time in China, especially in Dunhuang, the world's largest Buddhist art gallery. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Sanlian Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you enjoyed our journey so far, do give us a five-star rating or a review and share with your friends. I'm Graham Stevens. See you next time on the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs>